Hey guys, just to let you know, this particular episode of Conversations About Dot 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 is going to be part of the NSC Roadshow. Here's an opportunity to get to hear about some awesome Kickstarters, writers, artists, and inkers and different things like that, different people who are involved in creating their own Kickstarter campaigns. You can join up on these campaigns. You can go support these campaigns. And all you have to do is go to www.inkedmarketing in order to find out more about these wonderful Kickstarter projects as they go. Thank you for joining us. Let's get ready for the show. I know you're going to dig this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun show. So, in fact, episode of Conversations about dot, dot, dot. My name is Will, and I get the honor and privilege today to interview an awesome Kickstarter that is out there that is doing some awesome stuff. I mean, we're talking about some irreverent humor. We're talking about a bunch of different uh, stories that we're going to be getting in this Kickstarter. Uh, so, I've got questions to ask. So, let's take it to uh, Mr. Morgan Quaid, all the way in the land of the Aussies, if I'm not mistaken. I want to make sure I say that properly. That's it. That's it. Aussies. Yep. <laughs> well, hello, people. Uh, yeah, my name is Morgan Quaid. I'm an Australian based writer and um, uh, musician and producer and other stuff as well. But yeah, Australia, you got it right. Aussies. Hey. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. And all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first thing I want to talk about, of course, is the main Kickstarter itself, which has a lot of interesting features added to it just off the baseline, which I found really cool. Uh, so enmity uh and enmity 2 and then mm-hmm. we're getting a graphic novel as well as some other stories uh so the first question i always ask in those situations is that you've got multiple stories coming through with the campaign uh is this a connected universe that you're doing or is this um uh, just different stories that you're telling that are kind of around this kind of supernatural um idea yeah, so it's uh, all connected. Every every little piece is connected. Uh, the main story centers around a girl named Daisy who is searching through the apocalyptic wasteland looking for her um, her deadbeat dad, um, who happens to be Lucifer, uh, which is the sort of supernatural side of things. Um, so it all centers around essentially a daughter trying to track down her father uh, and that sort of family relationship, but on, against the backdrop of a, a large cataclysmic um, event. Um, but as the story progresses and you see some of these side issues uh, come in, you'll see that there are um, other players involved. And um, it's really hard at this stage of the of the process because when I released issue one, it was nice and easy. I could just say, this is what it is. It's just this girl searching for her father, you know, but now I've got issue two out and I've got, you know, three little side issues that already kind of give stuff away. Um, so I've already let the, let it sort of cat out of the bag. So one of the cats that I've let out of the bag is that she's not the only daughter of Lucifer and oh. they, these other characters start to converge. And that's one of the, the stories. So the graphic novel is a story of one of these other uh, characters that gets involved. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you've got kind of this family that is uh, a little bit left behind, so to speak, and not re- and not really regarded. They're trying to go back and find their father. Kind of, they probably yeah. Because I saw in there where it talks about her story being more of a a promise made to her mother, 
Uh, yeah. Because it doesn't tell what that promise is. It just says, you know, that she's got to go and looking for her dad, deadbeat dad. And so it's like, you like Satan. And then I look at some of the artwork and it's like, okay, well, there's angels and there's demons and there's a crow and uh, all these different people. And so they're going, you know, and, and of course, it, in the tagline, it talks about the irreverent comedy of it. So I'm not imagining it just for the listeners to know this is not like a. This is not like an attempt to be biblically accurate. This is more of a comedy scenario. No. Yeah, that's right. And look, so the the original idea from it came from uh, studies I did years and years ago. I actually studied theology and biblical Hebrew and a whole bunch of other sort of stuff. Um, and one of the interesting ideas that I came across was the early ideas of um, uh, Lucifer or the, the Satan sort of character um, uh, in the Hebrew Bible and sort of earlier was more a character that is an adversary rather than the, you know, the traditional Christian idea of, of Satan and hell and all that sort of stuff. So it was kind of pre hell. And I really like that idea of a character who actually works for God and is, you know, part of God's sort of um, group, but his job is almost like a prosecutor. It, it's almost, it's to keep people honest. It's to, you know, maintain balance and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, so it sort of takes a departure from the Bible very, very quickly uh, and okay. then becomes, you know, a little bit more, what if things were slightly different? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I say, it's like, well, wait, so the morning star, you know, was the lead of worship in the Bible. I mean, so it's interesting, you know, that, that they got to go from that now to more of a different, but you think more like Michael would be more of your kind of the creative being who kind of keeps things in order and is the main person over the archangels. I know there was, you know, a few of the archangels, not many, but there were a few of them. And so it's yeah. interesting to talk about that. So I, I, I just wanted to make sure we established that, you know, if you're, if you're coming into this and you're going like, hey, this sounds like a really cool biblical thing, it's not. So I just wanted to make sure that I just wanted to check that. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah. You talked about the research and everything that you were doing. Now, were you researching that for your own personal thing? Were you doing that as part of a collegiate thing or pursuit? Or... Yeah, no, I, I was uh, I was in college for a, a long time uh, studying to become a minister and sort of go down that whole, whole pathway. Um, so I studied uh, biblical Hebrew, Greek. The whole lot and I, I really fell in love I, I didn't end up going in that direction ultimately but i fell in love with particularly the hebrew language or ancient hebrew and the way that stories are told and the sort of rhythm that they have and and i was fascinated by this so much in there that we we just don't understand and we tend to sort of gloss over and there's some really great ideas in there that kind of get whitewashed later on in history and and we don't see the the you know sort of genius that's that's in there um so th this idea was something that came to me a long time ago and I, th I like the idea of having something that everyone is familiar with and sort of turning it on its head but i also was just really fascinated with this character of um i think Has hasatan is is how it's you know called in the hebrew bible um uh and particularly you know books like job and those sorts of things um mention this this adversary type character and i thought well that's a really interesting approach that because all you know in modern literature and film and all the rest of it you know uh, the devil is always cast in a certain light um and i thought wouldn't it be interesting to take it from a different approach and to to take the really kind of banal boring approach of what if he is just so sick of his job he's been doing it for thousands of years what if that that's the the nuance that he's just so sick of it and what if he quit what if he stopped doing it and then what would the impacts be and you know so that's kind of where it started and then 
the Daisy angle kind of came in because that other story just had no heart to it whatsoever. It was just like a, you know, what if this happened? It needed some sort of, you know, uh, anchor to, to hold the story in emotionally. And that's where the father daughter thing comes in and the death of the mother and, uh, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So we end up getting, uh, Daisy ends up getting a friend in the name of Pup. Uh, mm. It's got a, a girl and her dog, but but for what you're telling me, this may not be a normal dog. So tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I'll give that one away. Yeah. So Pup is is just a normal little dog. He's um uh someone that she encounters in the, at the end of the first issue. Um, because her journey is quite a lonely one, particularly initially when we come across her, her mother's died. There's no one else around her, and she's running from these um what the, what are called forsaken, these demonic type creatures um so it's a pretty hard hard life so it's it's quite nice at the end of the issue when she gets this little companion and he's just you know what dogs are like you know he just you know he will love her no matter what and he you know um jumping and all this sort of stuff and he's a nice little little puppy which i thought was fantastic because there's this brutal post-apocalyptic world where survival is sort of tooth and claw and incredibly hard and you have this basically a little pug running around like how the heck does a pug survive in that sort of world but i thought that's that's kind of cool you know to have have a little dog like that rather than say a german shepherd or something a bit bigger and you know able to look after itself so yeah so he is he is real what i will say is there are a lot of crows and a crow theme that pops up throughout the series that's a little bit more problematic and you know when you read the books you start to see okay there's more involved than just a crow being a crow yeah, and we're talking about regular crows that fly around, not Brandon Lee crow or uh, James <laughs> crow. No, no, that's right. They're not sort of standing on the the precipice of a ledge in the city, looking down, brooding with the you know the makeup running and stuff. No, they're just just crows. But there is a there's another backstory going on. Yeah, definitely. So, so one thing I thought was interesting too was like I said, the, the amount of story that you're getting in a campaign because you're not just getting Daisy's story, but you're getting Kiara's story. Uh, mm. you're getting uh the pro story as well, and then you're also getting uh the Raven running. Yes. So at the, the close of the second issue, you meet this character called Raven, um, but you don't know anything about her. She just turns up, uh, um, uh, and that's the first point where Daisy starts to think, "Hang on, there, there are others. That I'm not the only daughter of Lucifer. That there are others that are that are out there." And she starts wondering what that all means. But that's because of Raven coming in right at the end of that issue. Um, so the story, Raven running, is very fast paced. It doesn't, honestly, it doesn't have a lot of background. So it's not really a backstory to the Raven character. It's more just almost immediately seeing her before she comes into the main story. And it's a little bit of an introduction to her character and what she's like. And um, uh, whereas the Kira Burns uh, graphic novel is a little bit slower and a little bit more, or a little bit deeper, I should say, a little bit more involved. uh, And you see that there's, yeah, she, she's similar to Daisy in some ways, but very different in other ways. Um, so that kind of introduces you into the world of enmity as well, but from her perspective, which is a, a different, um, entirely different perspective. And then, of course, you've got not only that, but you've also got uh, a soundtrack that uh, yeah. you mentioned about the music side of things when you're not writing and different things like that. So talk to me a little bit about this this, this soundtrack. You, I'm assuming you're involved in building. 
Yes, yeah. So the sound, soundtrack tracks my uh, my music. Um, I actually, it's probably my favorite uh, theme song that I did for this this one because every campaign I run, I'll do music because it's something I can do and it's fun and adds a bit of extra value for people. Um, but the the soundtrack in particular for this one, I had uh, someone help me with some uh, a string quartet. Um, I did the guitars and the arrangement and all of that other sort of stuff. It just turned out really nice. It has kind of a little bit of an old west vibe initially, or a bit of a Latin vibe as it goes on. But just I had so much fun putting it together. Um, so yeah, and then the the rest of the album, I've actually uh, remastered. You might want to say the the album and added some new uh, things in there from last time I released it. Um, just because I think it's, it, again, gives more value to people. Um, and the idea is it just kind of sets the tone. Uh, there's a lot of uh, nylon string guitar work in there. There's some rocky sort of stuff. There's a little bit of hip hoppy sort of stuff in there um, just to get people in the right frame of mind as they're reading. I don't, I don't know how many people are actually sitting down with the comics and playing the music. I imagine it's not that many, but, you know, if they want to, great. Well, if not, it's just good music, you know, it's just good fun. I, um, I when I'm working on things, a lot of times there's music I will listen to in the background while I'm working. And in yeah. the world, like I can say like, hey, this is the soundtrack, you know, wherever of what I was listening to while I was working on this. So you kind of feel where I was headed, you know, from a from a musical standpoint. Because music yeah. is an interesting driver, especially in the mind of the imagination. Because you can see scenes so playing in your head, for example. I remember watching Afro Samurai for the first time. And I remember yeah. You know, doing all his masterful music work and how certain things were being done, and how then you go behind the scenes and you start seeing that he was learning how to play a lot of these orchestral Oriental style instruments like on the fly, just so yeah. he could, like play the music he wanted to play that he had never played. But I'm just like, dude, this is mind blowing how how <laughs> yeah. the music is to this project. So you think about comics, you say, well, this is visual medium. Like, yeah, but you know. You always can build off of that. You just never know where that's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, and I find that the trailers is a really good opportunity to blend the music with the imagery and almost have a sort of animation short. Um, that I love doing because it's it, it, you're seeing it come to life, which is really cool, with the music and, and all the and rest so of it. So the music that's in the trailer on the Kickstarter is your music from this, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the music from the theme song. And yeah, yeah. Cool. That's it. Cool, cool. So, yeah. So now I want to get into a little bit more of the campaign itself. I want to talk a little bit more about the options that people have to support at levels and things like that. So first of all, I want to mm-hmm. talk about the fact you can go in for about uh, $7 US, about mm-hmm. $9 Australian. And then you can go in and get the digital basic package, which gives you uh, the end of the theme song and the digital issue. Uh, this should drop in your lap around December 2022. Then we go from there to the digital basic issue two, where you're going to get issue two of the theme song, same time frame. And that's for the same price, I believe, as the seven US dollars, nine dollars Australian. And then uh, for fifteen dollars Australian, eleven dollars US, you get the basic print issue, which is going to be issue one, print, digital issue one, the theme song, which you get March 2023. And then let's see, basic issue four, same way, $15 Australian, $11 uh, US. You get issue two, issue two PDF as well as the theme song. And then you're going to get for about $30 Australian, $21 US, digital upgrade for the previous factor. Uh, if you support it, it is specifically who supported the entity 
uh, campaign prior this year includes digital versions of MD2, Hero Burns graphic novel, Raven Running, Issue 1, and Crow Issue 1. MD behind the scenes uh, books, as well as the soundtrack, are included. So, talk to me a little about this behind the scenes book. Yeah, so it's it's just a PDF um, that goes through uh, the origin of the story, uh, some of the original artwork that I had done that just wasn't quite what I was thinking, um, how the story developed from the original original idea, focusing on Lucifer and then bringing Daisy in. So it's it's literally kind of a look at the origin story of the, of the series and where it all came from, and with some extras in there that you don't really see anywhere else, um, just to give people a bit more background about how it all started and. Um, yeah, the the sort of build process. Also, the initial sketches of the Daisy and and um, Lucifer characters, and why I went with one versus the other, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I don't want to go through the whole entire list. Of course, in the, in the latter notes, we're going to make sure to have the link to the Kickstarter available for those who are listening. That way, you can get in and get involved. Still got a little bit of time to get in on this, but I'll always tell people get in early, get in often. The reason why it's important to do that is one to help the book do well with Kickstarter, but then also mm-hmm. because you help unlock really cool rewards and things like that when you get in on it and then you can. Yeah. Going. So, I mean, there's other things that are going as uh, goals that are unlocked. It's like the print package, which would probably be my, uh, my personal thing would probably be the print package where you're going to get the print of the basic stuff, which will be the the MD1, MD2, Gearbird, Graphic Novel, Raven Running, uh, print comics, the Crow print comics, uh, and then all the digital uh, effects of that, plus the full soundtrack coming out in March. Uh, you're looking at, uh, for new backers, it'll be 65 US, uh, for Austin, Australia, 44 for US. And then I'm looking at the unlock goal so far. Uh, I love the artwork, by the way. I'm sitting looking at some of this stuff. And whenever I mention it, I always want to talk about the team aspect. And I know that a person writing, especially, they don't they don't create a comic book just by writing words. You know, and I was yeah. like, they show up and materialize on their own. You got to have a team of people working with you. So talk to me a little bit about the team that's working with you to help bring all this past. Yeah, so there's um, around five artists. Actually, no, there's probably about seven or eight artists if I include the uh, the variant covers and, and those other extra pieces. Um, but there's, there's probably four or five main artists that are involved. There was a team of three um, that I worked with on the initial book and on the Crow uh, spinoff novel, uh, not novel, book. Um, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go with them uh, for the second one for a few different um, different reasons, not because I didn't want to, but it just ended up that way. Um, so then I went with um, David Schwartz for the second issue. It's a very different style. Um, that that decision, it, it's beautiful. The artwork is amazing. So that that decision has meant I'm essentially saying every new issue is going to have a different artist um, as kind of a... You know, I'm kind of embracing the fact that I couldn't keep, you know, the same artist all the way through and thinking, well, let's just, you know, have slightly different look takes and perspectives each, each, each time. Um, and then, and then, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, cover artists and artists that I've worked with on other projects. There's the guys, uh, a couple of Indonesian uh, manga artists that helped with the um, uh, Raven Running and the Kira Burns um, uh, graphic novel as well. So yeah, it's been really good because they're they're, they're all slightly different styles, um, all of which I like, but for slightly sort of different reasons. And it's allowed me to the the reason why. So there's two black and white 
um, books and three color. The reason why I go black and white is it's a different medium. It looks different, but it's also a heck of a lot cheaper. So it means I can offer a lot more to backers than um, if I was doing everything in color, there'd be half as many books essentially, because it's just so expensive to, to right, do the color stuff. Right, right. Yeah. And so uh, I found it interesting too, because of course we talked to the team behind Woodstake, uh, looking at some of the uh, campaign stretch goals as you're getting stuff unlocked for your first. And it's not a matter of how much money, it's a matter of how many backers you're getting. Yeah. But that's interesting. A lot of times people say, well, if we hit this financial goal, we'll get this. If we hit this financial goal, we'll get that. I really yeah. see, like, hey, if we can get 150 backers, you know, you're going to get access to all this really cool stuff. Uh, yeah. You know what they got before? Of course, I see fractured, uh, fractured sh shards as well as a different cover for the uh, M82. And then, mm. as it would say, you know, I got to talk to the talk to the writer of that a while back. We we have a sponsor, so we've been sponsored. Have you ever tested your nerd kung fu? Have you ever tested nerd kung fu? Nerd kung fu, yes, your nerd kung fu. Now I know what you're thinking. What is nerd kung fu? Because it's not like we're going to get a bunch of nerds fighting in a ring. But maybe it's about how you look. Maybe it's about being able to show off that nerd thing that you dig. You know what I mean? Do you like The Office? Do you like Star Wars? Do you like Jurassic Park? Do you like video games, anime, movies, etc.? Because if you do, you can get your nerd kung fu on. In the description on the podcast, there will be a link. You can go there and you can order up to your heart's desire on anything from shirts to socks the posters and all sorts of things even the godfather so if you're down into movies and video games and comic books and or things like that tv shows even i mean like i said the office firefly is represented they got all sorts of stuff it's all legally licensed official stuff jingle spider uh what's your nerd kung fu uh my nerd kung fu is weak but i feel like by following the link in the description i might be able to make it stronger smider what's your nerd kung fu my nerd kung fu is a southern style it uh, is very fast, very aggressive, mostly uses just the two first knuckles on my hand to knock people out, but that's only because the stunt people are kind enough to fall over. It's up to you how your nerd kung fu is. We appreciate you checking it out and grabbing the link and getting your stuff from nerdkungfu.com. Talk to me about some of these really cool stretch goals you got coming that you can talk about. I know there's a couple of mystery ones, so we don't want to call yeah. that yet. Mystery ones just means I'm not sure yet which way I'm going to go. Um, yeah, so that there's some uh, new artwork. There's some uh, covers that are coming out. There's some uh, PDF copies of other indie comics that are, that are really cool. Um, there's also um, uh, a cover that I hope comes through very soon, which is kind of like a, uh, it's like a dark art. So it's, you know, that sort of stuff, metal, metal style cover um, that's coming out soon. Uh, and then a few extra things that are, I'm, I'm toying with at the moment. So they're the sort of stretch goals. And the reason why I went with backers rather than money is quite frankly, for me to get uh, the money to cover all costs and make a profit it's pretty unlikely. It's it's more of a long long game. So um, rather than trying to do that, I've made the books anyway. They're they're going to go out there. I want them out. So it's not as though uh, you know I'm not going to release them. So I had a very low uh, goal originally, 
because the goal was just to let people have confidence. The books are going to be out. You're going to get them and try and build as big an audience as possible. That's really the goal rather than money at this stage. Money would be great. Don't get me wrong. Right. Anyone wants to throw me some cash, you go for it. That's a, <laughs> that, That'd be fantastic. But yeah, that was why I went that way. The other thing though, and this is another good reason to get in early, uh, is I, I run a few competitions as I go through for backers. So the one I'm running at the moment is a win your own theme song competition, um, oh. which I ran in my last campaign. Really cool because people you know, get to be involved um, and then the winner gets a bespoke theme song that they can do whatever they want with. Um, so in the past, I've had a, an indie creator that won one and he used it for his his project that he was building. I've had someone that was a, a sort of motivational speaker and she won one that she said, I'm just going to use it as my pump up music before I go on, on stage to do something, which is really, really, really cool. Um, so there's things like that and a few giveaways um, that, that are happening right now and that will be sort of continuing as we go through as well, just okay. to make it a bit more exciting for people. Okay, yeah, definitely. And that's good to do that. Now, I also see something else you've written, which is a part of some of your... Uh, your rewards as well as add-ons, which is a book that looks like you wrote before this, which is the, um, and I'm sorry, I had it right there, and then I all of a sudden moved up too far, and now I'm trying to find it. <laughs> uh, Shadow's Daughter? Yeah, Shadow's Daughter. That's um, about Shadow's Daughter. That's probably my most popular um series uh so it's a it's a it's, it's about a, a a bounty hunter who can bend shadow and use it as a physical weapon or a force or a protective measure or that sort of stuff uh it's done in a, a manga sort of style there's nine books in the series at the moment and another three that are coming soon as well as the two additional um main stories that are coming out that'll that'll be my next campaign that'll be a little bit later on um uh, actually probably early next year i'd say so yeah so that was a previous campaign that i'd run and in this campaign you can pick up the digital versions or the print versions of that uh, as well yeah for the print version just so you know us is like 45 dollars. you're going to get uh seven total books two color cop color books and then two, four of the uh black and white books for that series. yeah if that's another series you're interested in so six issues 327 pages total 45 bucks uh pretty sure that that you can't get you know, that that feels like value to me just saying you know uh, if you want yeah. to the version you can always go with the 31 option for us 45 dollars australian and you can, you can get it that way if you're a more of the i'm going to read it with a tablet thing you can do that yeah. I, I need it in my hand which there's nothing wrong with either way it's just that's your purpose yeah uh, yeah, me, I'm very more tactile. I like the smell of the paper. I like to be able to turn the pages. I like to be able to go back. Yeah, me too. I like the idea of going. Wait a minute, I didn't see how that. Oh, it was here. There was a little nod. You know, I like to be able to flip back. That's just yeah. Cool. And so yeah. just so you're aware, that is available as well. And of course, as there are other add-on bundles that you have. So talk to me a little bit about some of those bundles. Yeah, so there, I've got a, a catalog of books uh, that have been released at different stages. Some of them are new to this campaign, so they haven't been released before. So the digital versions of those are available. Um, there's about about five different series that are that are in there at different stages. So some, uh, the Blood Below, for instance, uh, is a sort of crime noir um, uh, story 
with, uh, you know, weird fiction elements in there. That's got four, four issues that you can pick up the digital versions. There's Idle Thuggery, which has three issues. It's kind of a superhero story, but from the perspective of a henchman for a, a villain rather than an actual superhero. Um, so that's the first story arc that's available for that one. That's three issues, uh, and a few other books as well uh, that I've released. And then if you want, if, if you're mad for digital comics, uh, you can essentially just grab the whole lot, just grab everything that I've currently got, uh, on offer. Um, and, um, yeah, go, go sit, take, sit down in a nice comfy chair somewhere and spend a few days just slowly going through it all. Going through yeah. it all. Yeah. Get yourself some coffee. Uh, maybe a favorite treat, you know, maybe certain yeah. just have some fun at it. And just, just get yeah. Now, is there a trade for that particular book or is that something you're going to do eventually? That's something I'm, I'm going to do. Yeah. So I'm going to, um, uh, they're all, they're all coming out uh, in trade. It's just uh, <laughs> having to stagger the Kickstarters to launch them. And some of them are with um, other publishers as well. So Shadow's Daughters ah. with, a, with a publisher called Marcosia. Um, the Blood Belows and and Idle Thuggery are both with my cozy as well. Um, I have a new book that's just come out uh, yesterday. I think it was it just started appearing, uh, which is called uh, Blade in the Dark. Okay, which is a um, it's a uh sort of samurai Japanese horror style inspired black and white. It looks very much like film oh. rather than you know sort of thing. So yeah, that's called cool, a blade in the dark. That's just come out recently. That's really really cool, um, but it's kind of like I, I, I'm a victim of doing too much too quickly. So I, I've done all this stuff, but now I have to wait and and sort of pace them out rather than sort of releasing everything at once. So the plan is I'll release more and more of the digital copies now with campaigns, and then uh, the next campaign I'll do the, the print version as well as digital, and you know sort okay. of go on from there. Yeah, gotcha. gotcha. Okay, so why do you sometimes sit regrettably looking at chocolate bars? <laughs> because they want to be inside me and and I want them in me. And <laughs> that is a problem because they're very difficult to say no to. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't want... I'm, maybe it's a unique problem. Maybe I'm the only one in the world. I very much doubt it. It's, um, yeah. Is there an allergy to chocolate or is it more just along the lines of you're just trying to be more self-disciplined and not eating all of it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just self-discipline. It's just, you know, I know what it does. I know where it goes. I know it doesn't disappear. It just sort of sits on you. So I'd, I'd rather do without the chocolate if I could. But then also, what what's the point of life if you're going to do without chocolate, you know? Uh, yeah. You know? I, mean, I learned a hard lesson years ago that if you eat six Oreo cookies, it has the same caloric intake as if you have a Big Mac, a large order fries, and a large drink at McDonald's. And so Whoa. Then it becomes the question of, if I'm going to eat these six Oreos, would I rather have <laughs> this or would I rather yeah. have a Big Mac, a large order fries, and a drink? It, it yeah, kind of puts it in perspective. It really does. <laughs> it's like, yeah, really? uh, this is the this is the problem. They've, we've gotten so good at packaging delicious things in, that are incredibly small, but they have so many calories in them that, like you say, it's like eating three meals in one bite. And like, well, that just that's cheating us. How how is how is that yeah, fair? Because I there was a time in my life when I was a lot heavier where it was nothing for me to polish like a whole bag of pretzels or two liter coke in a whole entire pack of Oreos. Yeah, in a course yeah. of a few hours, while I'm watching yeah. a movie, 
And then I just sit there, it's like, hey, no wonder I'm gaining all this weight. Look at how much I'm eating. And of course, <laughs> I know. Well, that this is the thing. The brain, the human brain doesn't have an off switch with that stuff for, for most of us because it's just, this is great. I, I need fat. I need sugar. I need salt. This Give it to me as much as you can. Yeah. 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 That's the whole thing. It's just like, uh, but I'm, I'm glad, to, I'm glad that as I grow older that I began to understand food a little bit better. So that they yeah. Not eat all of the food all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that whole moderation thing, which I struggle with as well. Yeah, I, my favorite thing is popcorn, but even with popcorn, it's like I got to do like one bowl. And yeah. I eat it a couple hours before I go to sleep, and then, you know, I'm good. So I can wake up the next day and get the evening around doing things and not just sit there and be like, well, uh, you know. But I do a lot, of, yeah. a lot of my job is mostly sedentary. And so I've got to yeah. make sure that when I'm not working at some point, I'm moving. Yeah. So now I've talked to you a lot about the stuff that you have been doing and we're running short on time. So I want to make sure to kind of get some fun things about you. So I want to geek out with you a little bit. So growing yeah. up uh, in the land of Australia, what kind of fun things did you enjoy? What kind of TV did you enjoy? Cartoons, movies, things like that. Tell me about something that I've never heard of before. If you, if you got it. Oh, something that you've never heard of before. Uh, Oh, okay. So there, are, <laughs> so I used to like all the normal stuff and the cartoons and all that sort of stuff. Loved Ren and Stimpy when that came out. Um, I was just fascinated by that that whole thing. Uh, I was never really into comics when I was a kid. I I think I found the reading and the images a bit too much to to take in. Uh, but I loved Garfield and that sort of thing, particularly when I was younger. Loved loved Garfield. Um. Uh, so something that we watched that I, I mean I'm not going to say I loved it, um, but I would watch it all the time. We had this thing, uh, these guys called the Leyland Brothers, okay. uh, and they were a couple of Aussie guys that would travel around the outback in Australia in a in a big truck uh, with their their hats and all this sort of stuff. And it was you know they would just go around visiting and you know you know talking to you know uh, Aboriginal people about how they live and then you know going to way out settlements in the middle of nowhere and sort of so it was you know people might think if you live in Australia you know you're surrounded by wallabies and koala bears and, and snakes and spiders and all that sort of stuff maybe the snakes and spiders but the other stuff uh, and the <laughs> outback side of things we, we never really see so most of us we you know I, I used to live near the beach or i'd be, just be in suburbia my whole life so we would watch this show on tv and it was kind of like yeah that's that's what it's like to be australian yeah i'm, I'm in the outback too i never went to the outback i've got no interest in doing that it's, it's all dry there's nothing out there why would i do that right. i live on the coast you know so that was kind of an interesting thing, uh, a piece of Australian TV that we we had, uh, and there was yeah, there's a few like that that we uh, we used to watch. Oh, and the other one, of course, which we inherited from wherever it originally came from, of course, Monkey Magic. I mean, that thing was on every day, and I don't know if you've watched it since. I've never watched Monkey Magic. You've never watched it. it it was, we must've got a really good price on it in Australia because it was on every single day and I used to watch it every day and it's essentially the same thing every day, but I went back and rewatched it lately and I thought, wow, this is, this is way more racy than what I remember as a kid. Like there is so much sexual innuendo and stuff all the way through that thing. I never knew any of that when I was a kid. It kind of reminds me of the Muppets when, you know, you used to watch the Muppets and a lot of the jokes that were in that Muppet, old Muppet show. 
And you go back yeah. to the old Muppet Show, he's just like, wait a minute, I didn't realize that was there when I was six. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just goes over your head when you're a kid, yeah. Right, but that's the thing. That's the thing about comedy. You, when you write comedy well, is that you can write it on multiple levels. So some people yeah. are going to read it and go, oh, okay, and I would have never got that. And if you're in on certain things, it's like, oh, wait a minute, that's, that's interesting because it is. That's really cool. Yeah. Any exciting uh, Australian foods that you eat that you enjoy that, that our listeners may not be aware of? Uh, one of them that I quite like, which I don't get much anymore, are lamingtons. Are you aware of lamingtons? I've heard of them, but I'm not sure what they are. They're, they're basically a sponge cake with chocolate sauce uh, around it and then wow. coconut on the chocolate sauce and it kind of sets. Okay. Um, and if they're done well, they're very, very nice. Okay. Um, so they're they're kind of cool. But like the rest of the world, we're now, you know, inundated with smashed avo on toast and, you know, croissants <laughs> and espresso and everything else that everyone else got. So yeah, it's all but, of the yeah. Starbucks, all of the Starbucks generated things. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We do, well, I don't think we've seen a pumpkin spice uh anything yet, but that's oh. probably coming. I was about to say, yeah, that's, if you haven't seen it yet, it's coming soon because it's everywhere. Like there, it's already happening here. We've not even got through the middle part of September. People are already doing pumpkin spice things. Like the one I saw yeah. that was really interesting to me was the pumpkin spice ramen noodles. Oh, the pumpkin spice ramen noodles. Oh no! A ramen noodle cup, <laughs> but it's pumpkin spice ramen noodles i'm just like no no there's a that's point, just no. wrong there's a point where it's just like uh-uh look i don't know like I yeah don't, my ramen noodles taste like chocolate i don't need my ramen noodles taste like pumpkin. <laughs> i don't need my ramen noodles taste like anything other than ramen noodles Why are you that's, that's like that's like chocolate coated fish or something you don't you oh, don't God. need that that's yeah. another thing no no oh, i don't need it or want it but it's there it's a thing so why is it a thing i don't know who asked for it i don't know why is it i I just don't know uh it it won't be something that i will be trying personally i will just you know if i'm gonna have some i'll have some in a you know pumpkin spice latte or whatever i'll I'll do the the typical thing i'll do the basic thing that a lot of people do i won't do that so we talk about that any uh obviously you've been doing music for a while what kind of musicians inspire you uh oh that's a tricky one yeah a lot well i mean when i was younger um guitarists like joe satriani were a big influence um uh that sort of style even though i don't really play that sort of style i I tend to play a lot of latin um flamenco-ish style guitar and and i have always loved that that style of music um but then if i'm just listening casually i'll listen to you know a lot of indie rock sort of stuff um but as well i mean i cannot go past jamiroquai anything with that kind of disco-y beat uh, i love it uh, you know it's just it is what it is jamiroquai is fascinating i had somebody the other day send a video of they were like jamiroquai one of the most under-regarded uh, music artists out there as far as just this genius and different things like that. You know, I mean, uh, of course, uh, you have the uh, virtual insanity. Then you put mm. the one song. I can't think of the name of it. It's the one that got real popular because Napoleon Dynamite danced to it. Uh, and oh, yeah, yeah. Jazz, yeah. Jazz, I think it's Jazz Heat or something like that. It, it, yeah, Canned Heat. Yeah. Canned Heat, there you go. 
And yeah. Uh, yeah, so you know, it's just like, man, you know, the guy's got a lot going on in his music. Like, but again, it's just especially at this side of the world, it wasn't really regarded highly. You know, it yeah, kinda came, it kind of came right as like people were starting to just be like, okay, Daft Punk's a thing, but we really don't need it. Because you got to sit there like right to this like, but I know the music is great, so that's so as we get ready to wrap up, I do want you to be able to tell people where they can find you, find uh, things like websites, find Kickstarter, find that. And of course, uh, where as always, we, we want to make sure to thank uh, Kevin and the people at Ink Publishing, because uh, I know they're a big part of the production of this whole thing. So we're going to shout them out in these episodes, but also just let you talk about where we can find you. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, nice and easy. If you just go to morganquaid.com, uh, you'll find everything about there, including links to the new campaign uh, or the current campaign, I should say, uh, the new comics, all of that sort of stuff, novels, everything's in there. I'm I'm not uh, shy with that sort of stuff. <laughs> so that's probably the easiest way, morganquaid.com. And then you can, through there, find me on social media and pester me as you would like to. Yeah. Just just make sure not to do anything crazy you know, typical and ask about the big noise his baby because it's just gonna be like, Why why would you ask that? Really horrible. Why would you do that? Why would you think that would be a probable question to ask somebody you just met? But yeah. Yep. So anyway, uh so as always, I greatly appreciate you getting to talk with you. Um and thank you so much for coming on and let me share talk with you about your book. And uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off. So above all else, guys, thank you for this joining us for this conversation with myself and uh, and this wonderful author that I'm speaking to us here, uh, Morgan Quaid. And above all else, do me a favor. Be blessed and blessed with somebody, guys. Take care. <laughs>